Today's scripture is coming from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12, and you can find that in the Red Pew Bibles on page 1074. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, my heart is full already. What a good morning, my goodness. But my heart is broken as well. I don't know if you've heard the news. There were eight different blasts Easter morning in Sri Lanka, in churches, in hotels, with 200 people killed, uh, so many more injured. So let's take a moment to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, shall we? Resurrected Jesus, today and the news of today reminds us how desperately we need your life, your risen life to permeate every square inch of this globe because it is a dark place sometimes, God. And we're just sick of the hatred and sick of the violence and sick of the death. Jesus, will you come so near to all those who have lost loved ones, whose lives have been terrorized. We pray that you would bring swift comfort. We pray, Father, for assistance and aid for all the families. And we pray for the perpetrators of this crime, Father, that you would have mercy upon them and that you would show and extend your love to, towards them, and that they somehow, God, in the midst of seething hatred, would find an open heart towards the light and the life that is Jesus Christ. Speak that life to us today, how we need it too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Well, welcome, friends. If you don't know, my name is Phil Reinders. I'm one of the pastoral staff here at Knox 2, and it's a delight to welcome you this morning, this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday. Have you ever been in a very dark room where all of a sudden the lights got turned on? You know, maybe it was a dark room and you walked out into a bright, sunny day onto the sidewalk, or maybe it was a movie theater, and uh, all of a sudden the house lights come up, and it's like, uh, right? Your eyes are squinting, and it takes a little while for you to adjust to normal lighting. It takes time to adjust to a new normal. Or first-year students, university students, can you remember when it was the first year? And you stepped into the university campus, that was a big new normal for you, right? All of a sudden, you're away from home, maybe for the first time, you got to cook schedule your life, take care of your laundry, pay the bills, get around Toronto. It probably took a little while to adjust to the new normal. Or parents, we have a little mini baby boom going on here at Knox. Parents, you know, no matter how much you might have prepared for that new baby, no matter how many times you studied again what to expect when you're expecting or whatever other baby book you did, That baby just changes your life in so many profound ways, like nighttime feedings and so many poopy diapers. Like, how do they produce all that, right? (laughs) And then, you never knew how much stuff you had to lug with you, how much baby gear just to visit a friend down the street. You're adjusting to a new normal, aren't you? It takes some time. Today, Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate there is a new normal in the universe, in the risen Jesus Christ. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this bright new day has begun. But it takes time for us to get used to that new normal. It takes time for us to to stretch our intellect, to take in the greater reality of the resurrection, to work out the implications of what has happened for resurrection to be lived out in our daily lives. Now, I realize that uh, Knox is is a good place for many people to begin their exploration of Jesus Christ. And I know that a lot of people here today probably come with questions, with doubts, Maybe you're somewhere in that process of exploring what Christianity is, skeptics, atheists, agnostics. We are so delighted you're here. We're a church where we are glad for your questions. We, that's one of my great joys is to interact with people as they wrestle with doubts or questions. Um, I love those questions. They're important. And whenever I, I talk with people and we get to the resurrection, well, you can imagine the questions that people might have. And a lot of those questions center around sort of the historicity of the resurrection, like, really, how how did this happen? Show me, where's the historical evidence? And and there are many historical evidences for it, for believing in the resurrection of Jesus. I'm not going to cover that material today. If you'd like to know more, I'd love to talk to you. Talk to me after the service. There's books, there's resources. I'd love to sit down and have a coffee with you to talk more about it. Maybe I'll show one. Uh, And it really comes out of the scripture passage we read this morning from the Gospel of Luke. And we read in this story that the women play a a very prominent part. And actually, in all the accounts of Jesus' resurrection, the women play a very prominent role. They were the first to the tomb. 
The women come to the tomb and they arrive not expecting a resurrection, right? They came to anoint a dead body. Uh, why would they spend good money on all these spices that they prepared already to somehow preserve the body of Jesus? Why would they even come for the purpose of anointing the dead body of Jesus if they expected a miracle? So the, the resurrection was as utterly improbable for them as it is for us today. Now the women, they come to the tomb, but they find the tomb empty, and, and they rush back with the news, Jesus risen. And they become the first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that, I gotta tell you, has the quality of a historical eyewitness account, because in that culture, in that day, women were of low status. Women could not give testimony that would be admissible as evidence in Roman or Jewish jurisprudence. And so if you're making a story up, like, uh, you're not going to introduce women as the first witnesses to the resurrection. It would undermine the very plausibility of the account you're doing. And so the conclusion you got to come to is the only reason Luke has these women here uh, as the first witnesses is because this is how it played out, actually. This is, as how, this is how it happened as it was recorded. Now, a quick aside here for a minute. There's something further, I think, about this story regarding the women that speaks further, really practically to us. So the women come back to the other disciples, tell them what's been happening. How do the disciples respond? They did not believe the women. They thought it was nonsense. How much of our disbelief is because we exclude or marginalize certain voices, right? We don't think they, we should, they should be listened to. I love how the resurrection of Jesus challenges the implicit sexism of that day right here. Here's a group of men who desperately needed some good news, right? But they dismiss it. Become, it comes from a voice that they thought not credible, some of the women, which begs a question. What voices are we not listening to, right? What voices have we shut out or dismissed? See how the new normal of the resurrection of Jesus is already challenging things here? I mean, from the get-go, boom. Now, that's just one of many historical evidences, but I think the bigger question that I often hear people talk about when they talk about the resurrection is, what does it mean, actually? Okay, okay, I'll grant you resurrection, sure, whatever, but so what? What does it mean for my life? And that's a really critical question for us to ask ourselves. Is the resurrection relevant for Torontonians today? In light of all their technology and in light of where our society's at and all our education, is the resurrection something meaningful, something relevant, or is it just sort of a quaint, sentimental, but strange story? Let me address it this way. A lot of people, as they hear about Jesus, his life, his teaching, they find a lot to admire and respect. For instance, something like the love of God, um, that in our culture is a compelling thing. People are compelled by that. Yes, that is the God I want to believe in, even though it's only in the Bible that you hear about a God of love. The respect for, the care for, the protection, the stewardship of the environment, people say yes, I want that. We need that. Well, that's rooted in God's good creation, 
of this world, or the ideas that, that all humans share this common dignity, right? This common worth, and therefore they possess inalienable rights by virtue of their creation in the image of God. Or think of the idea that forgiveness, yes, isn't that the best way to deal with all our differences? Or, or loving our enemies, yes, Good Lord, we need that in our world. That's such goodness. The concern for the poor, for the marginalized that Jesus demonstrated. Serving the weak, lifting up the powerless. Yes, all this goodness. So many people in our culture love that, the realities that flow from the life and the teaching of Jesus. But then the resurrection, that's where they stumble. Really? What difference does that make? Do I, do I need that? Well, let me tell you the pivotal importance of the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the validation of everything that Jesus lived and taught. It is the vindication of what happened in the cross, that this is, in fact, God who has died for us, and this is how God functions in this world, subverting power through weakness, conquering death through death itself. And if it didn't happen, the resurrection, then Christianity is a waste of time. It is a waste of your time. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, though Christian, Christianity says some really lovely, some noble things, it's just wishful thinking of a few people who are trying to cling on to a reality while they're just grieving, and it's really not worth anybody's time. Don't even bother with Jesus as a good teacher, as a, as, a, as a fine moral leader. If Christ has not been raised, it is all rubbish. The issue on when it, which everything hangs and turns is not whether you or I like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead, because that is a validation of all that he has lived and taught. And please, let's not come up with Oh, you know, poetic notions about what the resurrection could be, that it, was, that it was a spiritual resurrection, or that it's a metaphor of the return of life or the rebirth of hope. As the novelist John Updike once said, do not mock God with metaphor. Don't try to make it something other than it claims to be, because if you do, the whole Christian faith is useless. The Apostle Paul talked about that. He says, if, if Christ has not risen from the dead, our faith is useless, futile. The resurrection was such a compelling thing, and it was preached so boldly that people gave their lives for that, not because it was a symbolic representation of higher spiritual truths. It was preached as a hard, irritating, inconvenient, but impossible to dismiss fact. And so when we try to cling on to the ideals and the teachings of Jesus but dismiss the resurrection, I think that's like anointing the dead. It's like looking for life in a dead Jesus, which is the question that the angels pose to the women at the empty tomb. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The angel's doing a little counseling here is what the angel's doing with that question. Angels helping them to adjust to the new normal of the resurrection because the world has changed because of that resurrection. And the angel's question is one that reorients them and stretches them to take in the greater reality that is going on, to consider the reality of Christ who is risen. 
Now, it was stretching for those first disciples to, to, to believe, to consider and believe in the resurrection, no doubt. And just as it is for us today, if it feels like what I'm talking about is stretching beyond what you feel you can take in, of course, we're expanding our capacity to take in more realities, what we're doing. But you've got to know we are asked to do this all the time. You know, scientists always ask us to stretch like crazy the boundaries of our knowledge and our capacity to take in reality. I mean, for example, take in something like light. Scientists will tell us that light is composed of both uh, particles and waves. You think, that, how, how does that fit? How does that make sense? But to make sense of the data, of the evidence, we need to sort of stretch our worldview a little bit larger into a different shape to extend our capacity to take in more reality, more of the data that we see around us. And that's scary sometimes to do, right? Because we go to places that we feel like, I've never been there before, I don't know what holds for me there. We don't always look, know what life will look like if things change around us about how we'll understand the world. But we go, we stretch, because we're convinced that it's real, that that's the way the real world is made up. And that one piece of data, the empty tomb and the risen Jesus Christ, so radically changed the lives of those disciples, and it turned fear, trembling fear, into fearless joy. It turned their world upside down. Because if death was defeated, think about that, if death was defeated, if the worst thing that could happen to you is done, what do they have to fear? So the new normal of the resurrection utterly changed them. It can change us, how we live, because God has started a new day in the resurrection. It is the renewal of all things. That is the proclamation of Easter, that the resurrection is a new creation that God is doing in this world, in this sometimes very dark world, something new is growing and emerging. And the resurrection, what it does, is it doesn't cause us to wait for, I don't know, some heaven far off. No, 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 the, the resurrection sinks us deep into regular, ordinary life. Because our lives, this world, is gonna be redeemed by God. Food, shelter, relationships, jobs, this physical bodily of resurrection of Jesus proves that God loves this world and hates disease and violence and poverty and injustice. It means this material world matters and that God is concerned about it and he is intent to set all things right again. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, it means there is infinite hope and reason to pour yourself out for the sake of others. British theologian N.T. Wright has this great quote. It's a little long. I'll read it to you for a minute. He says, the message of the resurrection is that this world matters, that the injustices and pains of this present world must now be addressed with the news that healing, justice, and love have won. If Easter means Jesus is only raised in a spiritual sense, then it's only about me and finding some new dimension in my personal spiritual life. But if Jesus Christ is truly risen from the dead, Christianity becomes good news for the whole world, for Sri Lanka. News which warms our hearts precisely because it just isn't about warming hearts. Easter means that a world where injustice, violence, and degradation are endemic, God is not prepared to tolerate such things and that we 
His people will work and plan with all the energy God gives us to implement the victory of Jesus over all things. The new normal of resurrection tells us this world is a good place that God intends to save and rescue. That your bodies, they actually matter to God. They're a part of his good salvation plan. That's why Christians are concerned about justice for this world. Why we give ourselves to feed the hungry and provide healing for sick bodies. Why we take care of the world and fight for the protection of the environment, of creation. Because of the resurrection of the physical body of Jesus Christ. And that's that's really how the Easter story gets finished. In all the other resurrection accounts, it's interesting to see how the risen Jesus encounters people. And he encounters them in just very ordinary places. In an upper room. He encounters them on a beach and he serves them some breakfast. In their hometown of Galilee, Jesus meets meets them. Which is a hint for us. This is where the resurrection story gets played out in our lives. This is where it gets finished in our lives. In all the ordinary places where you and I spend most of our time. Back where we work, where we live, where we make our homes. The Easter story gets finished when the hungry are fed in our city. When the homeless of Toronto are given shelter. When the, the sinner is forgiven. When they hear words of grace and forgiveness. When broken relationships come together and they're mended and healed. The resurrection happens when we work well. When, when computer code gets written. When we design clothes that serve the good of others, when we sell shoes for fair prices, when we underwrite loans and harvest coffee and raise children and govern cities and any other kind of creative work, we are working alongside God in his Easter work of new creation to redeem everything. The Easter story gets finished when when the lonely, and man, we have a lonely city, don't we? When the lonely find community, when they're made part of our church family, The Easter story happens when the sick and the prisoner get visited and know they're not abandoned. When the grieving get comforted, gets finished when parents find time to raise their children and love them and know those kids know they're children of worth. When business people build great businesses and do what's right regardless of whatever the cost or the market forces say they should do otherwise. When we make this world a better place, Because the resurrection tells us this world matters. Easter story gets finished every time someone takes in that new normal of Jesus and loves this world in his name. We're so used to death and despair. Right? The news from this morning from Sri Lanka, that feels like normal. We spend so much of our days looking for life among the dead. And when life actually shows up, we hardly know what to do with it. Why not allow the resurrection to stretch you today? To stretch your worldview, to allow you to know a deeper life than you ever imagined possible. Today, can you take the resurrection into the center of your life? Can can you let it challenge your intellect? Can it allow you to to see more of reality? 
to change, to melt your heart, to let it free you to live radical lives of outstanding love in this world. Jesus invites us to trust the resurrection. He invites us to trust that in every glimmer of good, every hint of hope in this world, every impulse that elevates the soul, that's a sign, that's a taste, that's a glimpse of how things are meant to be, how things ultimately will be. Do you believe this? For some of us, we've maybe intellectually understood it. You know, we've given mental assent. Yep, okay, resurrection, I believe it, got it. But we're still adjusting to the new normal. Will you give yourself freshly and allow the implications of that resurrection to play out in your life in new ways? And for some of us today, maybe we've never believed. Christ is risen for you too. And this can be your story. I invite you to explore the intellectually credible historical evidence to believe, to put your trust in this beautiful, radical Jesus, to live this new creation, to live this hope, to know this salvation for your life. At that first Easter, God made it abundantly clear there's a new normal. There is new life to be had. The only condition is you've got to stop looking for life among the dead. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this fierce reality of resurrection. You didn't give us just a wonderful inspirational idea in Jesus Christ. You gave us the very thing that will enable us to face anything in life, anything at all. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to take the resurrection life into our hearts, into our lives in such a way that we become full participants in your salvation, full participants in this glorious, beautiful life of Jesus. We want to be good news people in this world. We want to participate in this new creation. Send your resurrection power and life to us, we ask. Through the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.